Colossians 3, 3. Before I left, we were on Colossians 3, verse 1 and 2. And so we go to Colossians 3, 3 now. And here's what it says. It says, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Guys, in the New Testament, slaves were a non-entity. Meaning, they were not even persons. Huh? Slaves were a non-entity. They would work and then they would have to disappear. And in Philippians 2.9, we hear that said about Jesus. That he set aside the privilege of deity and took out the status of a slave. He set aside the privileges of deity and he took on the status of a slave. And in that, Jesus was completely hidden. In fact, in Isaiah, maybe one of you knows where the scripture is. I forgot to look for it. In Isaiah, it says, he grew up like a shoot out of the ground. Um, does anyone know where that is? Um, uh, Isaiah 53, verse 1 onwards. Here's what it says. Who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He, as in Jesus, grew up before him like a tender shoot, like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. I love that line. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. Jesus was such an average looking and perhaps below average guy. Charisma was not his thing. He was not charismatic. He was perhaps less than average looking, maybe slightly ugly if necessary. It says there that there was nothing, there was no majesty about him. That his appearance was a kind of appearance that in some versions it says you wouldn't even give him a second look. No charisma. Why? Because he came as a slave, as a bond servant. He starts life on earth being hidden. Why is this important? Because you must disappear first if God is to appear through you. You must disappear first if God is to appear through you. And this is completely countercultural to how church is done. I mean, what makes a great pastor? What do we look for first? Charisma, oratorial skills, great talent and ability, management capacity. The very things that should have been found in the ultimate shepherd, the good shepherd, the ultimate pastor, and yet he turns out to be someone in whom there is no majesty, who's absolutely unattractive, whose appearance wouldn't even draw us to him, who has no charisma. And yet people who hung out with him would leave and others would say, he must have been with Jesus because he teaches with a certain authority. Not with charisma, but with authority. A slave was someone who would not be seen. He would work, he would disappear. Jesus disappeared first 
And if Jesus disappeared first and was hidden, then I need to disappear and be hidden too. He was hidden, you need to be hidden. To be spirit effective, you must be hidden first. To be spirit effective, you must be hidden first. To be spirit effective, as in with a big S, to be Holy Spirit effective, you must be hidden first. Which is why for 30 years he was hidden, man. Nobody even knew about him. Actually concealed. And Colossians 3.3 says, For you have died and your life is hidden in Christ. To be spirit effective, I must be hidden. Only then does, does the weightiness of his presence in me become visible. When I am hidden, the weightiness, the word is kabod, the weightiness of his presence or the glory of his presence in me becomes evident when I follow the same pattern that Jesus' life has set. Guys, why is this important? Because I'm telling you something. The way Acts 29 is going, it's going to end up being copied in different parts of the world. And Acts 29 has to become nothing so that God can become everything so that the world may benefit. I really think in terms of the world when it comes to Acts 29. Not because all of us will go to different nations, but because people, like they just said, guys, everything that they are doing is modeled on what we have done and then they improve it because they don't have to go through the same mistakes we did. In every nation it is the same. But what a wonderful thing it'll be if we guys were able to go into disappearance and hiddenness so that the splendor and the weightiness of God may be made visible and may be made manifest. What a way to live. You are hidden in Christ. The less, I love this line, the less I strive, the less I strive to make myself known, the less I strive to make myself known or the less I strive to make myself known and, and taken care of, the less I strive to A, make myself known and B, strive to take, uh, be taken care of, the more, the more his life emerges, the more his life emerges and I'm taken care of. I love this line, it's so true. The less I strive for my life, the less I strive for my life, for my life to be made known, for my life to be made known, or make myself known, for my life to be made known. The less I strive for my life to be made known, and the less I strive to be taken care of, my basic needs to be taken care of, the more his life emerges, and the more I am taken care of. I so badly want this. Because at the end of the day, I don't think there's anybody in this room who doesn't greatly desire that 
Christ be made manifest and visible through them. And what if an entire church began to think like that? Huh? That the less I strive to make myself known, the less I strive to make myself known as a worship leader, as a pastor, as a this, as a that, as a pianist, as a drummer, as a sax player, as a children's this thing, the less I strive to make myself known, the less important my life gets, the more visible he gets. The less I strive to take care of my needs, the more my needs are met. Because I have a good, good father. And because a good, good father's son dwells in me. And the more hidden I am, the more I disappear, the more he appears. The more you disappear, the more he appears. The more you disappear, the more he appears. I think I've shared this story with you, but it may be a while ago. When we were at Ross Street, or even before Ross Street actually, there was a couple that had come from Ontario, well-known couple, um, uh, like a prophetic couple. And they didn't um, do anything at Acts 29, but they um, were doing a meeting at another church here in Vancouver. And uh, I was supposed to help with the meeting. And so the person who was organizing it asked me to go pick them up. And so I went to pick them up somewhere in Richmond. And uh, they thought I was the driver. So they told me to take them here, take them there, go get them Starbucks. And uh, I did all of it. And then they told me to wait while they finished some stuff. And then they said, okay, we'd like to go home and come back at three o'clock to pick us up for the meeting. So I said, okay. And so then dropped them home. I'm, I'm so grateful they didn't give me a tip. And, so <laughs> and then <laughs> I took them home and then uh, brought them uh, to the meeting. And uh, it's at the meeting that the person who brought them from Ontario introduced me to them. And you should have seen their faces, man. It's just seen their faces. I so enjoyed that part of it. But the <laughs> that's why I said I'm so grateful that they didn't give me a tip because that would be the height of embarrassment. And so uh, one of the prophetic words she had on my life after that was, Jacob, you have the ability to wear different hats and God can ask you to be anything he wants you to be. And I, I really treasure that uh, f phrase. But the point is, when you disappear, he appears, guys. When you disappear, he appears. Disappear. Disappear. Be hidden. Let Christ become the first filter that meets everything in your life. We'll talk about that a little. Uh, let Christ be the filter that meets everything in life. There's a scripture that says, um, put on, put on Christ, put on Christ. The whole idea of put on is to sink into a garment. That's the idea of put on. To put on something, uh, the actual sense of it is, why don't you sink into this garment? And so when it says put on Christ, it's saying, why don't you sink into Christ? S-I-N-K, sink into Christ. And once you sink into Christ, you disappear. You disappear. And so then Christ becomes the first filter that meets the world you're walking in. And what does that mean? That when you say something nasty, he's the first one who meets the nastiness. And so Jacob then still stays hidden. When you shower me, me, me with tons of money, He's still the first one who opens the door and receives it. And Jacob is hidden. 
when you give me accolades for what I've done well, he's the first one who receives it and Jacob is hidden. When you um, rebuke me rightfully for things that I've done wrong, he's the first one who meets it and brings it to me so that I can examine it and deal with it well. When you offend me, he's the one who opens the door and takes the offense and then I don't have to deal with it the way I would deal with it if I didn't have this filter called Christ. Put on Christ is to sink into Christ so that he becomes the filter through which I meet the world. It's not my personality then that meets the world because the world can really trigger off my personality. It's not the pastor Jacob that meets the world because the pastor Jacob has his own thoughts about being a pastor. Hiddenness. What's his name? Um, Watchman Nee writes in one of his articles that because I live an exchanged life, when the devil comes knocking at my door, Jesus opens it. In Galatians 3.27, no, Colossians 3.10, it says, therefore, put on your new self, as in put on Christ, who is being renewed. Put on your new self that is being renewed in the image of God. As in, this is the way to live, guys. It's a daily practice, huh? It is very, very possible to do this. Where you understand that you have to put on someone, not something. You put on someone so that every time you meet the world, he meets it. So now imagine what happens when disease comes your way. When sadness comes your way. When depression comes your way. When when a boorish husband comes your way. Or a nagging wife comes your way. And wives and husbands can come sometimes be like that. Each one is met with by someone else. That is your first filter. And only thereafter do you react. Hidden in Christ. How do you hide yourself in Christ? By putting him on every day and realizing that you've been... One of the uh, Galatians 3.27 says, put on Christ... How do you put on Christ? You put on Christ by being baptized into Christ. One of the ways we put on Christ is being by being part of the body, guys. You cannot put on Christ all by yourself. You cannot put on Christ all by yourself. You can only put on Christ if you are part of the body. Because Christ does not, I mean, you are not the sole proprietor of Christ. The sole proprietor of Christ is his body. The sole proprietor of a bridegroom is the bride. The sole proprietor of the bride is the bridegroom. The sole proprietor of Christ is the body. You cannot put on Christ if you're not part of the body. It is impossible for you to meet all your needs. Impossible. But in a body, your needs, your location, your direction, your ways, everything can be met, guys. It can be met. I want to tell you that all my needs are met in the body of Christ. It has been that way since the beginning of Acts 29 and it continues. All my needs, I'm not talking about finances. All my needs are met in the body of Christ. The wisdom I need, the prayers I need, the healing I need, the essentials of life I need, I find in my dependence on the body of Christ. The body of Christ is not just Acts 29, it can be outside Acts 29 too. 
So hide yourself in Christ and in the body of Christ. Disappear. Disappear. Uh, how do we... Here are some other things we can look at and then I want to show you something. To come to this place where your life disappears into the background, that's another way of looking at it. Huh? Your life must disappear into the background. Your life must disappear into the background. Hey, you walk into an Indian restaurant and uh, your nose starts smelling these spices. And then it disappears into the background. And then your hands come out and it starts breaking the naan and you pinch a little bit of butter chicken and you put it in your mouth and the hand disappears into the background. And then your 32 teeth, some of us less, starts chomping on the butter chicken and the um, uh, meat and the naan and then they disappear, in, uh, no, they, they stay where they are. If they disappeared into the background, we'd have a problem. And then there is this intricate system inside you that begins to grind it down and you don't even see it. Every part of the body making an appearance and disappearing. None for a second thinking that uh, it needs to be known. None for a second thinking it needs to be known. I would love for us to get to a place where this whole idea of the body of Christ and Christ being always evident and you disappearing and becoming hidden becomes so normal for us that you have no desire for anything else but Christ and the body being known, for Christ and the body being known, for Christ and the body being known. I want to show you a picture. Can you put up that picture, please, Ryan? Isn't that a really cool picture? That is the body of Christ. That is Christ. That is Christ and the body. This picture was taken by a guy called Liu, L-I-U, Bolin. L-I-U, Bolin. B-O-L-I-N. L-I-U, Bolin. Liu Bolin. In China, I think it's from China. I really love this picture because it really tells us all that we know about disappearing and making Christ and the body evident. This is Christ and the body. That bulldozer is Christ and the body being evident because you can hardly see him. Can you see him now? Can you see him? That is Lou Bolin. These are his feet. This is his body. This is his head. Can you see him? <laughs> He's there. Oh, stop it. I didn't even talk to you. Guys, the point is that we have this huge instrument which is supposed to represent Christ and the body and yet you don't see him. I saw this picture the first time and I thought, boy, this guy is an expert at camouflaging. He's done this in so many places. He'll go to a supermarket, stand against the soup cans and paint himself and stand there still and people will walk past him not realizing that they're walking past a person. Check him out. You should see his work. He's a camouflage photographer and in this, He's painted himself against the black of the tire of the bulldozer so that none of you saw him. And this is one of his best pictures. Hidden in Christ. 
where you shouldn't even be made, people shouldn't remember you. People should not remember you. I want to get to a place where people don't remember me. True. True. And so, learn how to be hidden in Christ, guys. Just disappear. How do we disappear? Here are four ways to disappear. Guys, here's the thing, huh? The whole world cries out for self-determination. Yesterday, millions of women marched in different parts of the US. Self-determination, saying that, oh, they had all kinds of funny and vulgar posters that they were carrying. But the whole idea was self-determination. We have the right to determine our own lives. But you must understand, the moment you declared Christ to be your Kyrios or Lord, you were saying, this day, I forgo self-determination. I no longer have the right to determine things for myself. Self-determination ended the moment you declared Jesus Christ your Savior as Lord. You no longer have the right of self-determination. You serve at the pleasure of another. Your self-determination ends the moment you declare him as Lord. And what freedom there is in that. Philippians 1 verse 21. You can take the picture off, um, Ryan. His name is, so you guys can check it out later. Please don't open your phones right now to check it. L-I-U-B-O-L-I-N and the work he does. Guys, here's, here, here's some of the ways that, the first one is Philippians 1.21. Philippians 1.21. It says in Philippians 1.21 that to live is Christ, to die is gain. To live is Christ, to die is gain. So we're talking about how do we disappear? How do we become hidden? It is when Christ becomes my life. The first step is Christ becomes my life. Christ becomes my life. Christ becomes my life. Christ becomes my life. Therefore, when someone comes knocking on the door with offense, Christ will meet it. When someone comes knocking on my door with accolades, Christ will meet it. When someone comes knocking on my doors with money, Christ will meet it. When someone comes knocking on my door with sickness, Christ will meet it. When someone comes knocking on my door with accusation, Christ will meet it. Christ becomes my life. He is the one who meets the world on my behalf. He is the filter through which I operate. You think that is not happening? Guys, think of all the filters that are at work in our lives. This is, um, let's pick on, Don, this is Don. Derek's handsome brother, in case you didn't know who I'm talking about. Yeah, so this is Don. Look at the filters in Don's life. First, philosophies of men. You think it doesn't affect the way he does things? Second, deception. You think the devil doesn't want to deceive him? Third, traditions of men. You think he doesn't come from a place where there are traditions active in his life? I saw it in both Derek and Don's life. Four, principles of the world. You think the principles of the world don't tell him that, hey, if you don't do this, you're not going to make it. If you study this, you'll get a better job. Six, elemental spirits of the world. We talked about this two weeks ago. Elemental spirits of the world. You think the spirit world is not out to try and build strongholds in his mind. Everything that comes to him from the world 
These are the filters that he has to destroy so that at the end of the day, he does not operate by these. The only filter he has is Christ has become his life. Christ becomes a filter. Christ's word becomes a filter. To everything, Christ and Christ's word becomes a filter. This is when you disappear and Christ begins to make an appearance. You think Jeff and Mariam don't have Iranian left in them? You think I don't have Indian left in me? You think Rosalind doesn't have a Brit left in her? You think Heidi doesn't have some Germanness left in her? It is when we abandon clan, country, reputation, and every which way of living in. You think Betty doesn't have. Where are you from, Betty? Malaysia and left in her. The point being, guys, these filters are actually operating in our lives. We've gotten so used to them that we think they're a natural part of life. And now Jesus is saying, put on, as in sink into this garment called Christ. Put on. We put all these filters on and we think it's natural. And the moment we say, put on Christ, we think, not in this world, in the next world. Hey, this world, this world, this world, because we won't need it in the next world. Put on Christ. Put on this filter of Christ and his word. Relate to the world through Christ and his word. To, for me to live is Christ. To die is gain. No, in that scripture it's saying, if I die, I'm with Christ. If I live, I'm going to live for Christ. If I die, I'm going to be with Christ anyways. So Philippians 1.21 is where we start. Christ becomes my life. Next one is Philippians 2.5. Philippians 2.5. Man, have they turned on the air conditioning? Philippians 2.5. Does anyone know how to make this place a little warmer? Other than jumping and stuff like that? Isn't the director of heat here? Oh, there you are. Thanks, Wayne. Philippians 2.5. Philippians 2.5, what does it say? Sorry? I don't want to paraphrase it. Philippians 2.5, here's what it says. It says, um, your attitude should be same as that of Christ, or your mind should be the same of that of Christ. Guys, the second part of disappearing is when your attitude and mind is that of Christ. Another simple way of putting it is think like God. Think like God. Think like God. It's absolutely possible to think like God. We have the mind of Christ. 1 Corinthians 2. We have the mind of Christ. Let this attitude or this mind be new as was in Christ. And then it goes on to say, he set aside the privileges of deity to take on the form of a bond servant and became like us. Take on the mind of Christ. Begin to think like God. I'll never tire of saying this to myself and to us. Think like God. Think like God. In your marriage, in your work, think like God. When you, God tells you to give $50 and you want to give 40 start thinking like God. Think like God. 
and you will begin to disappear. What are we saying? That as these things begin to happen, you begin to disappear and God begins to appear. Third one. Philippians 3.8. Philippians 3.8. Philippians 3.8. Philippians 3.8. And here's what it says. Philippians 3.8. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I might gain Christ, that I might gain Christ. Philippians 3 Christ becomes, and then it goes on to say, I lay aside things behind, pressing on towards the goal in front in verse 12. Not that I've already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Verse 12. I press on to take hold of that for which Christ took hold of me. Guys, the third thing is Christ becomes my goal. Christ becomes my goal. So the first one is Christ becomes my life. The second one is Christ becomes my mind or I take on the mind of Christ or my thinking, Christ becomes my mind or thinking. The third one is Christ becomes my goal. Christ becomes my goal. It doesn't matter whether you're working at Telus trying to fix software or working at Telus trying to take care of customers or working at Kumon where you're taking care of students or working at a church where you're trying to um, teach or working at a warehouse or working in a hospital. Your goal is Christ. And what do you mean your goal is Christ? Every day, every week, every year, I have the magnificent opportunity to ask God, what is your goal through my life this year? That is what I want to press towards. That is what I want to press towards. And we'll talk about that, where our work, our possession, our family becomes subservient to Christ and the church. Our work, our possessions, our family becomes subservient to Christ and the church. Your only goal should be Christ. Otherwise, let me put it in the words Jesus put it in, in Luke chapter 9 verse 57 or so. He said, if you keep looking back while you're plowing my field, you, Jacob, are not even worthy to be my disciple. We're talking about a just basic dis- discipleship. Basic discipleship, guys. We're not even talking about level 202, just 101. If while you're plowing the field that I've sent you to plow, if you keep looking back at work, possessions, family, and stuff like that, they know this, that you're not even worthy to be my disciple. I love the fact that those are the standards he sets for us. And I know that if I were in your place, doing what you do, I would still have the same goal, that Christ and his body be known. This is not a pastor's pet sermon. I'm, 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 I've said this in Bible study groups. Guys, this was not what I did for a living. I used to work three jobs. I'd finish work at a quick copy printing, then I would go work at another place, and then I would do a third job, and then on some days I would work at Emmanuel Baptist. So it's not like this is what I've been doing, but here's the beautiful thing. Had someone taught me this then, I'd have run with it then. Because there's a tendency sometimes to think that pastors have a disconnect, that what they're asking of us is way too much. It is not. This is not me asking you to come to the church and volunteer. This is me saying, guys, you have no other goal than Christ and the body of Christ. 
to make Christ and his body visible and made known is your only goal, regardless of who you are, what you do. That is the only goal. The spirit of the Lord is upon me, why? So that I be a nurse at VGH? No, the spirit of the Lord is upon me, a nurse at VGH, that I might preach the good news to the poor, heal the brokenhearted, set captives free, open blind eyes, um, garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, oaks of righteousness raised. This is what the spirit of the Lord is upon me as a nurse at VGH. The spirit of the Lord is upon me as one who's retired and living in Richmond. Why? So that my retirement is peaceful? No. So that I might preach the good news, that I might heal the brokenhearted, that I might set the captive free, that I might open blind eyes. It's the only goal we have. If, they, if, if you think you have any goal, other goal, then know that you are not even worthy to be his disciple. Sometimes I think going away for two weeks sets me on fire when I come back. That's not me. That's the fire bit. <laughs> Guys, this is the way we need to live. Hadi, you want to take that? Okay, let it ring. Any questions, guys? Any questions? As we do this, as Christ becomes my life, as Christ becomes my thinking and my mind, as Christ becomes my goal, do you see why you disappear? Suddenly people will see the bulldozer and they won't see you. Because Christ and the body becomes foremost. You don't even, you don't appear. And it's in the context of the body that Christ really moves. He will move through you, but he moves so much more powerfully. I mean, imagine a spade and that bulldozer. You are a spade. The body is the bulldozer. I'd suggest that we hire a bulldozer to do, get things done. That's why this whole household thing that we, we're meeting in the small groups, yeah, you'll have teething problems. Yeah, there'll be days when... Um, Heidi and Derek's teaching sucks but there'll be other days when it'll be good you should listen to my sermons from 10 years ago man I shudder and then you should listen to them from 15 years ago I burnt them <laughs> Sue and Heidi and uh, Sue and Joan and Ruth have heard them There'd be a lot of props and stuff like that. It used to be so innocent and simple, but in the, at the end of the day, people didn't know what I was talking about. There are still very rare Sundays like that, but today is not one of them. The next one. Yeah, you can throw away some of those old CDs. Philippians 4.13. Philippians 4.13. I'm grateful to the guys who still gave me a chance to speak. Philippians 4.13. Philippians 4.13. It says, I can do all things through Christ. This is when Christ becomes my strength and my sustenance. 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 First, Christ becomes my life. Two, Christ becomes my mind or my way of thinking. Three, Christ becomes my goal. Four, Christ becomes my strength and sustenance. I am no longer fueled by my fat cells or my gray cells. I am fueled by the Spirit of God. This body is quickened for what it is supposed to do. 
God will give me strength according to my days. There is a passion and a fire that is lit within you by the sheer presence of the Spirit of God. And you begin to accomplish in limited time what others would take long to do. You don't jump into Ahab's chariot, but you run faster than that and you get to Jezreel before the clouds break and pour rain. The fig trees don't blossom, the cattle are not in the stall, the olive trees have cast their fruit and there's nothing to show, but you are doing cartwheels of joy because there is something inside you that tells you that your strength and your sustenance comes from God and we do not operate by the systems of the world, the deceptions of the world, the philosophies of the world, the traditions of the world, the words that men speak because we operate by the spirit of God and the words of God, man. That's how we live. I don't mind a couple of hallelujahs at the end of something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Guys, this is how we live, guys. Where we now begin to disappear. We get hidden. Christ and his body. Christ and his body. Christ and his body. You know, when you want to serve somebody really well, you disappear. It is only when you want your service to be noticed that you appear. Very odd that is. Go ahead, Miriam. It is kind of the same, where it's no longer important to me. In fact, Colossians 3.3 puts it this way. You have died in Christ. You are now hidden. I mean, a strange thing happens at most uh, funerals. Everyone's crying and all this stuff, but the person's disappeared. That's what happens when you die. When you serve somebody, I've seen this, huh? there'll be husbands who will serve their wives so faithfully on an occasion where the wife is doing a Tupperware thing or a baking thing. And you hardly notice the husband. Why? Because his only intent is to make sure that the party goes so well and that she is an amazing hit. And then there are some husbands who want every woman there to know that he is the husband. (laughs) And when that happens, it's not the Tupperware party that is important. It's his really sad, flat jokes. And I'm, I'm not talking about Kamal. Guys, This is how it works, see? I sometimes marvel at some of you who do things at Acts 29 and no one even notices how and when and what happened and how it came and where it disappeared, but it happens. Nobody even knows about it. Because your intent is, I want to serve Christ and the body. Once you serve someone lovingly with a desire to make the other person shine, you don't care and you disappear. I dislike joint Good Friday meetings and stuff like that. Because you'll have six pastors and everybody has to be given something. So you start with prayer and you say the opening prayer and you say the closing prayer and a prayer and then there's one pastor left who comes last and they say, you can say the closing prayer after the last song. Why? Because everyone has to be given something. Why not just disappear? Anyways, let me wrap up. Next week, we'll continue this. 
There's so much more to say and such nice things God has for us. Guys, remember this picture? Christ and his body. My family. My money. My work. My possessions. We are talking about disappearing. The only way to disappear is when my family has only one reason for existence, to serve Christ and his body. When my money has only one reason for existence, to serve Christ and his body. When my work, as in my job and my work timings and everything else, has only one reason for existence, to serve Christ and his body. And my possessions has only one reason for existence, to serve Christ and his body. This is when Christ becomes visible and all these things multiply and do well. This is why it does not disappear. Me and my family. Christ and the body. This is why it does not disappear because this is how most Christians, including us at Acts 29, think that me and my family will find time to serve Christ and the body. Me and my family, I will make sure that I save enough money for my family so that my family is taken care of. My work is so that my family will have provision and I'll be a responsible husband or a responsible wife. And my possessions are so that I will leave my children an inheritance for the future. Oh, by the way, I will give Christ and the body 10%. And yeah, occasionally uh, I will come after work to attend a household meeting. This is how we normally think. And it's a good way of thinking. This is how a good Christian lives. And this is absolutely unbiblical. Um, it's um, uh, next week we'll be talking about that how um, how when I uh, oh guys one of the things we lack is prioritizing it's surprising how many how many of you moved countries provinces to enter an educational institution spending thousands of dollars leaving family clan country just because you wanted to become an engineer, a nurse, a teacher, or a pastor. You died to your clan, your country, your family, your mother, your father, and your bank account, and moved 10,000 kilometers 
to start a new life for your children, even if it meant a hard, difficult life here. We prioritized what was important. Christians have only one priority, the rule of God through a submission to Christ and his body. Until that is not prioritized, this is how we live. And it is a good Christian life, but it is an unbiblical Christian life. A biblical Christian model is when Christ and the body is at center and all that is me begins to disappear. Me and my family begin to disappear because Christ and the body are more important. My work and my attachment and security and my complete immersion in my work begins to disappear because Christ and the body demand the best of what I have. My possessions are no longer primary and important because Christ and the body, that is what my possessions are for. And my money is no longer something that I give 10% of because all my money belongs to Christ and the moment you say Christ, Christ and the body. And when you do this, Mark 10, 28 comes swooshing out of heaven and just creates a whirlwind around you. And when it disappears, you say, alas, alas, the chariots of, what? The chariots of heaven is chariots of Israel and the horsemen of Israel. And around you, you see the possessions, the family, the money and the work multiplied many times over with absolutely no effort. That's what Mark 28, 10, 28 says. For whoever gives up this and this and this and this shall have hundredfold in this life and persecution and eternal life. Next week we'll talk about prioritizing. But remember guys, can you go back to that picture? I've got it on my phone now to remind me. Not this picture. Okay. Yeah. Christ my life, Christ my mind, Christ my goal, Christ my sustenance. Christ my life, Christ my mind, Christ my goal, Christ my sustenance. All for the sake of Christ and his body. Will I rally my life, my family, my possessions and my work to serve Christ and his body so that Christ and his body become primary? I disappear into the background. I, pray, I play my function, but I disappear into the background. People don't remember me. Any questions? I'm done. Any questions? We'll just leave it open for questions. Um, Anything you want to ask? Next week, you'll talk about, okay, so how do we prioritize this? How do we work it out? What are some of the secrets to get this going? Questions? Questions?